Do you want to learn the secrets behind some of the most successful women in the world? Listen each week as designer Rebecca Minkoff talks to women from all walks of life, from CEOs to artists, on her podcast. It's called Superwomen with Rebecca Minkoff. Rebecca interviews women like Hannah Bronfman, Bazoma St. John, and Katya Beecham. And they show us what life is really like without the pretty filters. Because Rebecca wants to help you navigate tough issues. Things like what it means to be vulnerable, how loss can make you stronger, and standing up for yourself in the workplace. The show is so funny, insightful, and totally real. Basically, two superwomen in your ear telling you all their secrets. I had such a fun time being on the show earlier this year. Rebecca and I had a great exchange about bravery, raising kids, and closing the gender gap in tech. She's such an awesome host, and you definitely should check it out. Listen and subscribe to Superwomen with Rebecca Minkoff on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Hey, it's Reshma, founder and CEO of Girls Who Code, and this is Brave Not Perfect. So I'm on a mission to help girls and women live bolder and more joyously. One week at a time, we're just, we're fighting back against society that's teaching us to be quiet and well-behaved. We're pushing against the forces that are discouraging us from taking risks or making us think that we just need a man to help us even change a tire. This season, we're focused on everyday bravery, small things that we can do every single day to reprogram our brains and unlearn these toxic messages. I believe that the more you practice bravery and take on small challenges, the easier it gets to be brave. Every week, I'm going to do a different bravery challenge, and I'm going to ask you to join me. This week, I want us to get comfortable with using our hands. You heard me, using your hands. So I hate putting together things with little pieces. I get frustrated when I can't play my favorite show on Netflix or even just fix something that's been broken. I hate it, and I hate that I struggle with being frustrated. It's not something I'm used to, and that's a super gendered thing. We're not training our girls to work through challenges. Instead, we coddle them. We tell them how to solve a problem or steer them away from things that they're not naturally good at. So when they grow up, they're like me, and they don't have the patience to even figure out how to assemble IKEA furniture. We gotta do better. In the meantime, We gotta sit with that frustration, get a little more comfortable with it, work through it, and figure it out instead of giving up. And my producer Ashley is here to tell me what frustrating thing I'm gonna have to work through this week. Hey, Rashma. Hey, Ashley. Oh God, what do you have planned? So I was really having a hard time coming up with the perfect thing for you, the right challenge, because I wanted something really specific to you, something that was going to um, force you to work through that kind of frustration that you were just talking about. And so I reached out to your husband, Nahal. Oh God. Uh, he probably told you to do something I totally don't want to do. So um, I went over to his offices, and I'm going to play you a little audio from our conversation. Oh, this is a little surprise. This is really a surprise. And so when I was emailing you, um, you had kind of an initial response right off the bat, like something that Reshma gets frustrated with. Yeah. Do you remember what that was? Was it uh, IT tech support? (laughs) Can you talk about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly her 
you know, my phone doesn't work. My phone doesn't unlock. My battery's dying. You know, I'm out of my email. I can't find this password. So I'm, uh, I'm the manager, I guess, of her devices and her technology frustrations. So pretty much anything electronic, technical. Yeah. There's a problem. It gets passed on to you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, how do I even change over to Netflix sometimes? How do I? Yeah. Crazy stuff. How do I turn on the TV sometimes? And how often is this happening? Um, Ten times a day. (laughs) He's such a jerk. (laughs) So he always tells me that he's going to tell the world that I'm the Girls Who Code CEO that can't figure out her Netflix account. And it's totally, it's true. I get super, I do get super frustrated with technology devices. You know, like my password doesn't work or like my phone's on the brink or like, you know, something's just not working. I immediately go from like zero to 10 in my frustration. And instead of wanting to figure it out, I'm like, hey, Nahal, just go fix it for me. So what, you're going to throw my phone in like water or something? Oh, no, it's (laughs) going to be a lot more fun for you. So, so just just so you know, Nahal backtracked a little bit. He uh-huh. said ten times a day was a little bit of an exaggeration, um, but our conversation gave me a really good idea about <laughs> what your next challenge should be. I want you to go an entire week without asking Nahal for help with anything technology related. Ah, and you can't cheat by asking someone else to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Fine, I'll do it. So I have to figure it out myself. Yes. Okay. How do you feel about that? Scared. Huh? Yeah? Well, we're about to go on an international trip where there's going to be a lot of, like, you know, complications. You know, so I'm going to have to. So, okay, I, no, I can do this. I can totally do it. A little scared, but I could do it. It's just easier to ask him. And right. I feel like I'm going at, like, 100 miles an hour. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, you just figure this out for me. But you're right. Okay, fine. I'm down. I'm ready, Ashley. I'm ready for this. Bring it. Well, to get Rashma into the right mindset for her bravery challenge, I set up a conversation with the Dr. Angela Duckworth. She's a psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania who made a name for herself with her viral TED Talk about grit, which you really need to check out if you haven't already. She also wrote a New York Times bestseller based on that TED Talk called Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance which I cannot recommend enough. And if that wasn't all beyond impressive, Angela's also a MacArthur Genius Grant winner, and she started a nonprofit called The Character Lab. It's this incredible and free resource that uses scientific findings to help children thrive. Yeah, so basically, Angela's amazing. Let's listen in on the conversation she had with Reshma. I am reaching out because I'm doing these bravery challenges every week, And it's stressing me out, and so I wanted to talk to you about it. Great. I'm excited. So one of the first challenges I'm doing is this idea of, like, using your hands. And I realized, like, from the time that I was a little girl that, like, I wasn't really encouraged to, like, use my hands. So when things were broken around the house, no one ever said, here, come here, let me teach you how to fix it. So... I get stressed out when I have to use my hands. And so where this really pops up for me is when things are happening with my phone or my computer. So like I hate troubleshooting anything that's electronic. I almost go into this like damsel in distress mode, which is like I hate. Like my phone will go black and I'll be to my husband, hey, can you help me fix it? Because I can't like just sit with the frustration, open up Google and just 
you know, troubleshoot it myself. I almost feel like I have to be this, like, helpless female um, instead of just figuring it out myself. So I know you study, like, how you get better at things, and do you have any thoughts about this? Yeah, I have two thoughts. One is I actually don't think anyone is morally obligated to solve all of their own problems. So my first <laughs> thought is, like, I often have problems with, like, you know, the most trivial of, like, how do I get the flashlight on my phone to, you know, go, like, where, where, where is that, you know, like, email that I sent? Like, I swear to God, it was right here, and somehow, like, my inbox ate it, right? I actually don't care, and I... I, for me, anyway, because maybe my narrative is different. Like, I don't associate, you know, my identity as a woman with any of these things. And I also don't care that it makes me look incredibly old, too, right? Because the 19-year-old sitting next to me, like, grabs my phone and, like, swipes up, down, and sideways, and then, like, everything is restored. And I just don't care. It's not part of my self-worth. I can become a better behavioral scientist and maybe at the expense of being savvy about other things. So I don't think any of us, you know, regardless of our self-identified gender, like, need to worry about everything. But I do think for some people, like, it does matter, and they can trace back this kind of reluctance to a, you know, historical, like, identity which they don't want to have. And for that, I have a second thing, which is, like, how do you get better at things that you're not comfortable doing? So when you have chosen, like you have, to like get more comfortable with fixing things that are manual or technological, then how do you do it? So the extreme of not feeling comfortable doing something is a phobia. And the, the treatment for phobia is extremely effective, and it's exposure therapy. And you will kind of learn just by seeing that it's not that bad after all, and that's essentially what happens at every step of the way during exposure therapy. Fascinating. See, so the other thing is, is, what happens with me too is I, when I'm trying to fix something and I, I can't figure it out right away, I get frustrated. And like my instinct is to kind of just, ugh, just have someone else deal with it. So like I started thinking like, is this because like I don't have enough grit? And I thought I had a lot of grit. So does frustration and grit have anything to do with each other? So frustration tolerance is a big part of being gritty. For example, I have a task that I've developed in my lab with my collaborators called the frustration tolerance task. And on the left side, there's a star that you have to trace with your mouse. It's on a computer. And on the right side are all kinds of fun things that you could do. They're just easy and non-frustrating. Like you can watch videos of like cats. But on the left side, there's the star. And you're told that it would be a good thing if you could try to trace a star because hand-eye coordination is really important. Now, when you try to trace a star and you go left, your cursor goes to the right. When you go up, the cursor goes down. But then what makes it really hard is that we we program this game so that there's a little bit of jiggle, kind of invisible to the naked eye, but essentially it's very, very easy to fall off of the star. And every time you go off the path of this outline, you know, you get a real loud sound like, ah, and then it sends you all the way back to the beginning. So the question is, you know, is this important? And in fact, we find that your ability to tolerate frustration and to repeatedly fail and get sent back to the beginning and make mistakes predicts, for example, college outcomes two years later. So how do you think about grit in terms of like like the smaller things in your life? I think 
that grit to me is less relevant to the smaller things in your life. I study something else that is a close cousin to grit, and that is self-control. So when you say to someone like, hey, you know, like I just went to the dentist last week and I was told, as I always am, that I need to floss more often and better, right? And, you know, I got my little 30-second lecture. And the question is, do I need grit to floss better? I don't need grit. I need self-control. And there's an important difference So women and men need self-control to do things that are not immediately pleasurable, but are good for you, you know, good for your health, good for your well-being. And self-control is like grit in that it requires overcoming maybe a competing impulse. But I think the crucial difference is this. When I try to floss my teeth and I, you know, don't want to forget and it's not the funnest thing to do, I have to battle a competing impulse, which is something that I could do instead, like get into bed immediately and start reading, you know, the novel that I'm, I'm reading. And that's more fun than flossing. But grit has a different enemy. Grit's enemy is, you know, can I really do it? And do I have an abiding goal that has purpose and meaning, aligns with my values and interests me? I mean, these are different challenges. So self-control, you need 24 hours a day, seven days a week to make it as a human being. Grit, I think, is about high accomplishment for really challenging, uh, you know, life-changing goals. And I think it's a confusion maybe to say like, oh, every time we need to do anything, you know, we need grit. Okay, so we think about grit for the big challenges. Is there a gender component to that, do you think? Do women and men treat grit differently? So I can say that you know, there's there's not a lot of data to suggest that either gender has a clean edge on grit. But I think there's something else to say that's um, important, which is that I've had a lot of very, very successful women ask me whether there is a gender difference. So for example, there's a female neurosurgeon, and that is a field where there are so few of them, they actually give themselves numbers, like they have the number that they are, like when they got board certified, and I think they're only in the 200s or something. I mean, it's incredible. So that female neurosurgeon said her observation is that it's so hard. There's so many extra barriers to becoming a female neurosurgeon as opposed to a male neurosurgeon that her supposition is that if you are among the very few who are there, then you are grittier, um, for example, than the men in that field, which doesn't mean that like all women are grittier than all men, but just like the women who are left standing, as it were, in certain fields are grittier. And I think that hypothesis makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the same has been suggested of people from disadvantaged backgrounds and ethnic subgroups that are, you know, marginalized, because if you do make it, you know, you've kind of made it through a much finer sieve than perhaps, you know, your white male counterparts. Well, that's fascinating because I definitely think that's the case with probably female engineers, right? Like if you got there, you had to be twice as good to fight twice as harder to be there. And then it's so interesting how, even though that's the case, they still feel some amount of imposter syndrome. So you have a couple of daughters. How has raising them changed some of your views on, you know, gender roles or has it not? My daughters are 17 and 16 years old. They're in high school and they have taught me one important lesson, which is the young women that I see coming of age today are ahead of our generation 
and, and when I thought about my mother, who grew up in China in the 30s, right, very traditional home, um, you know, what I saw was a stark contrast between the way she was raised and the way I I looked at the world, which I felt was so enlightened and progressive. So my mom said to me at my college graduation from Harvard, I'm so proud of you. You're ready to be a wife. I mean, those were literally her words. And I was like, oh, like, thank you. I also graduated magna cum laude in advanced studies neurobiology, Phi Beta Kappa, but I'm so glad I am now ready to be a wife. You know, she said this all without a hint of irony. Um, now, I thought to myself, like, I'm progressive. I've advanced. When I talk to my own daughters, I will occasionally let slip a certain phrase like, oh, I have to be a boy about this um, and stand up for my rights and, you know, right back to a surly editor telling them they're wrong. And, and they've really called me out on it. They're like, I hate it when you say that. It's dumb. There's no difference between how a boy would handle this and how a girl would handle this. And when you say things like that, you give us a, like a mental image that like we can't do things. So I've tried to edit myself, but also to really reflect on how, you know, gender and even um, related things like sexuality and so forth, where I thought I was like ahead of the curve, but I'm only ahead of the curve when I compare myself to my mother who grew up in China in the 1930s. So true. I was in the park yesterday and I had that young woman come up to me who had seen my TED talk and she said, you know, when I first listened to it, I just, I didn't understand it because I feel very brave. And so it really, you know, it was like, wow, right. It is true that like, maybe through all of our hard work, things are changing. So where can guests find out more about your work? So there are two places I would first encourage guests to go to characterlab.org, which is my nonprofit. We are funded philanthropically, so everything that we do is free, and it comes directly from scientists, including me. So if you really want to know about the science of productivity or growth mindset or grit, you can go there if you're a parent or an educator. And then as a scientist, I keep a website with my publications called AngelaDuckworth.com. All righty. It's time to check in on Reshma to see how she's doing without any tech support. It's been about a week. How has your use your hand challenge been going? So that's, it's been going good. I mean, I haven't had as many technical difficulties. I think it's because my phone is on the brink. So it's a, it's a daily technical difficulty. So I basically just need to have time to go to the store and get on the phone. So, so your biggest <laughs> issue is your phone's just not working and that's a daily frustration. Yeah. <laughs> Well, kind of. I feel like the battery dies. You know, stuff happens. So is part of the reason that you're not having technical difficulties is you're not using technology as much and also yes, maybe you're... that is true. Are you also maybe... Avoiding it? Yes, because I'm like supposed to record it. Maybe I'm embarrassed of it. Maybe. So <laughs> it sounds like it's not that you haven't been having difficulties. It's just you've been, I'm not going to put myself in any kind of situation where this is going to come up. Possibly. And I feel mm -hmm. like I've quickly gone to like, oh, this phone is just like on its last leg, you know, and I'm going to go get a new one rather than sort out what's happening. So after sending Rashma to get her phone fixed and, you know, maybe stop avoiding it, we sat down again. And uh, here's what she told me. Oh, like yesterday, I thought, remember I was telling you how I think my phone's just busted? Well, I realized that the charger that I had it charged into overnight the past week and a half had broke. And so that's why when I was plugging it in, I was thinking I was charging it, but then I would wake up and it would be like five and I thought it was my phone and not the charger, but then I realized the charger was broken. I was very proud of myself that I figured that out. Did you catch that? 
Rashma said she's really proud of herself for figuring it out. And she doesn't sound so proud of herself, but you know, I'm proud of her. She did the challenge. She sat with that incredible frustration of a phone that was constantly dying for like a week and a half. And then she figured out what was wrong and fixed it herself. And remember that interview we just shared with you with Dr. Angela Duckworth? Well, Angela had another really important thought to share about all of this. Choose your battles, right? I mean, like if you say it is for whatever reason important for me to like work with my hands and solve these mechanical problems, then you should use frustration tolerance to do that and like be able to sit with it and say like, hey, you know, I observe that I'm frustrated. There's lots of strategies that I can say more about, about how to deal with frustration. But but I think the most important thing, and especially I say this as a woman, because I think sometimes as a woman, it's like, I want to be in shape and, and cook a perfect meal and also be, you know, a Rhodes Scholar and also be like, you know, a philanthropist. And, you know, I have to be perfect in all these ways. And one of the things that I got out of your book is that this kind of perfection mindset is, you know, debilitating. And so I want to make sure that, you know, women and girls listening to this don't take the message that they they need to like exercise frustration tolerance, you know, for every battle. You can't fight all battles and no winning general fights all battles. Well, we all know Rashma is absolutely a winning general. And she's pretty busy working to close the gender gap in tech and empower women to embrace bravery over perfection. So yeah, she used her bravery muscle to figure out what was wrong with her phone. And that is fabulous. But I don't think troubleshooting her technical issues is going to be something she continues to do a whole lot. So whether Nahal likes it or not, he's kind of stuck being tech support because Rashma's got to focus her frustration tolerance on the things that really matter. Okay, in just a minute, Rashma's going to give you a bravery challenge for this week. But first, let's listen in on a conversation she had with the incredible Patrice Banks. Patrice knows a thing or two about conquering those damsel in distress feelings that can come up when women, or even some non-binary people like myself, are faced with a challenge we don't know how to tackle. Now, Patrice turned those feelings of helplessness into a business and is now way better at using her hands than any man I've ever met. Your self-described auto airhead. <laughs> Yes. Tell me what that means and talk to me about Girls Auto Clinic. What's the story? Yeah, so I call myself an auto airhead. All right. And um, it's a funny term. Uh, and it's a woman who feels like she needs a man to help her with her car. And it's not a very empowering position to be in. It wasn't for me as an engineer, right? I'm an engineer. I thought I was an empowered woman. I'm a smart girl. I have a great career. I own a house. I have a car. And I need to run to a guy and ask him for help when my tire pressure light comes on. And I recognize that, no, I'm not stupid, right? No, I'm not. It's, I, it's not that I can't learn about cars. It's I've just been conditioned as a woman to think that this is not for me and I need a man to help me. It's what men do, right? Even as an, an engineer, I doll it was something I couldn't get. And I started thinking about that. I can't believe that I have told myself the story that I'm not gonna get this. It's not something I'll understand. I need a guy. So I thought about how can I empower myself when it comes to my car? How can I get resources that is gonna teach me how to make the right choice? 
um, I started looking for a female mechanic. I thought, hey, I'll just find a woman mechanic. She'll know what to do, right? Women know what to do. She'll be out there. She'll save the day for me. It's what women do. And guess what? I couldn't find a mechanic. I Googled female mechanic. I Googled all things about learning cars that's geared towards women, and um, it was not there. So I saw it as an incredible opportunity. Since I couldn't find these resources, I couldn't find a female mechanic, I went back to school to learn how to work on cars um, and create a business that was going to empower women, that was going to create these resources that they need to be smart consumers, confident drivers, um, so they no longer need to ask their dad. They're gonna actually going to show their dad, their husband, what to do, <laughs> you know, and um, I also wanted to create a location where women could come and bring their cars for auto repair. They feel comfortable. They feel safe. They feel valued, um, right? And so the whole idea with Girls Auto Clinic was to open repair centers that hire female mechanics and offer a nail salon to get your nails done while you wait. And really, not only is it a great place for our female drivers to come, our customers to feel good, it's a place for um, the mechanics, the women mechanics to come and have a home where they feel safe, where they're not the only one. So you went to automotive technology school and it was a lot of men. What was the experience like for you? As an engineer and someone who faced imposter syndrome before, I went back to school for automotive technology in the evening when I was working for DuPont during the day. I was 31 years old. I'm a manager at DuPont, right? I'm wearing my power suits and my heels. And I'm in school at night with a bunch of 19-year-old boys and I'm intimidated. I'm scared. I've never touched a tool before in my life. And I found myself falling back, making myself smaller, right? Asking for help and the guys would just kind of push me out of the way and they would do it. And I started thinking about that and I'm like, this is what women do to make ourselves smaller because we don't have confidence. We're afraid to make mistakes. We're afraid to ask for help. We're afraid to be direct about what we want. And I had to stop myself. I told myself, you're here to help women. You went back to school to learn about their experiences, right? And here's one of the things they experience. This is why guys think, no, women don't really want to do this. They don't really like it. Um, and it's not because we don't like it. It's because we shrink ourselves. We don't lean in, right? It's not, we're not asking for a seat at the table. And when I found out that I was doing that, I would start to change how I interacted with the guys push them out of the way now and be like, I want to learn this. I want to do it. I'm not afraid to mess up. I'm not afraid to look stupid. And if you want to help me, great. If not, get out of my way. Like I'm on a mission here. And if you can't help me, somebody else will. I'll move on to the next person. So what it did is it gave me the confidence to just believe in myself no matter what, because I knew that I was on to something that was going to help people. And that's all that mattered to me. Not what these guys thought or if they thought it was good enough. I know that I'm good enough. Yeah. Right? Even as yeah. an engineer, I felt intimidated by 19-year-old boys. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so crazy, but it's so true. And we go back to kind of like, again, we fall back into old habits. And we let that voice mm -hmm. get very loud, even though we know it's mm -hmm. irrational. So, Patrice, why cars? Because I'm not a car enthusiast, right? I was an auto airhead, and I get so many emails and responses from people when they hear about me that's like, check out this Ford Mustang, you know, 1968, and turbo and horsepower, and I'm like, uh, okay, I guess it looks pretty. It, they expect that, and sometimes that makes me a little bit insecure, but I understand that's my strength, right? I didn't grow up in cars. I didn't have a father knowing cars. I'm somebody from the outside of this industry looking in, saying, as a consumer, what are my problems and how do I fix it for the industry? I have to tell you this because you're like this badass woman that's, you know, an auto engineer. So I mm -hmm. can't drive a car. 
And my husband recently just bought me driving lessons because I'm – and I'm about to start learning because he's, like, sick of driving me around. As he said, he's, like, sick of being my Uber driver. <laughs> I used to drive when I was younger, and I just feel like I'm like a walking accident-prone driver. Like, you just don't want to be in a car with me, or at least that's a narrative that I tell myself. What's some advice that you could give me to get more comfortable being behind a wheel? The first thing that I would tell you is when you're being driven around is constantly be observing how the person's driving, what rules they're following, what mistakes they may be making, why they do certain things. Driving, for most people, is strategic, right? But it becomes so strategic in your head, it's repeat that now we're all on autopilot. But when you're first learning to drive, it's all about strategy. And how do you learn strategy but learning from other people, right? Um, Because the scariest parts is like, I don't want to hit another car. And so you have to be thinking about where your car is at all times and where other cars might possibly go. Um, And that will come quickly just by doing, right? And so it's, first I would start by watching other people and how they drive. I would also just practice, right? There's nothing that beats getting out there and doing it every day, even though you're, you are going to mess up. Uh, I definitely hit a car when I, when I was practicing learning how to drive. I got into a car accident, you know, and that could have shattered all of my confidence where I was scared to drive again, but it didn't. I was like, you know what? This happens. This happens to everyone. I'm learning. I'm making these mistakes, but what did I learn from this? How will I make sure I'll never get into an accident like this again? Um, So be kind to yourself. Give yourself space to make mistakes. You know, um, you're going to in the beginning, but the more you do it, you'll pick it up fast and then it'll be second nature. So one of the things I always tell folks to do is like use your hands, right? Change tires. Like if the toilet's broken, figure out how to fix it. Grab your daughter, tell her to do it. Troubleshoot technology by yourself. And But I hate it. And I, (laughs) you know, I've been telling my listeners, like I've been giving them bravery challenges. And this week's prompt was use your hands. And so... For me, I wasn't allowed to ask my husband for any help with technology this week. Like, I literally had to use my hands. I love and it. And I'm worried, though, like, two weeks from now when my phone, you know, goes black, that I'm going to go back to my old habits. And instead of figuring out myself, like, literally hand my phone to Nahal and tell him to do it. And, you know, some, sometimes it's easier to ask someone else to change the tire. It's easier to mm-hmm, ask someone else mm-hmm. to help you with something that you have a lot of feelings around, mm-hmm. right? What's your advice? So there's two things here because using your hands, like you said, talking about for a week you're, you're doing this, and it's so empowering to be able to figure something out and using your hands to do it that gives you a feeling inside that empowers you. So I think that part is important. But I also know that there are just some people that it's like technology, nope, they just shut down. Uh, and that's okay For people, I tell women, changing a tire, you're going to break a nail. You're going to get dirty, right? It's going to take you a while. It's going to be hard. You're going to sweat. And you may not want to do that. While I I tell women there's no shame in having a AAA, there's no shame in calling someone else to do it for you because it's not convenient for you, right? It's not something that you value. But I do make sure that I talk about the feeling you get when you try and you're successful at it when you try at something that you don't think that you're good at, that you're capable of, and how it makes you feel about yourself and other things that you can accomplish. So if there's somebody who just struggles with that, 
to slowly build up the confidence in technology. I talk about it in a way that's very relatable to women. Think of your engine like a vagina, right? Does your car have boogies? Do you have a PCT, your primary care technician? Often we treat our cars like our bad exes treat us, right? So it's not as scary. You take the technical terms out of it and you teach the core principles. But again, there's no shame in saying no because you just don't value it. It's all about what you value. And I think it's important to try, especially if you're struggling to value what your strengths are or find confidence in yourself. I'm not telling you you have to be a mechanic. I just want you to feel comfortable with a tool in your hand and not feel like, oh, I gotta have my husband do it, right? Like you have the option and that's what's great is that women have the option to choose. That's great. So Patrice, where can people go and learn more about you and your work? Well, (laughs) girlsautoclinic.com, of course. You can go to our website. I mean, we've got everything on there from our repair center, uh, which is located right now in Philadelphia, full service, auto repair, female mechanics, nail salon. Um, We are expanding soon. I can't tell the next location yet because not everything is signed off, but I can't wait to tell everyone where we'll be going next. This was so awesome. I'm so glad we got a chance to meet. So are you ready for your everyday bravery challenge? This week, I want you to build your resilience by using your hands. Do something that gets you out of your comfort zone, something that might take a little bit of trial and error to figure out. So if your kids need help with your Legos, don't call your partner to come save the day. Do it yourself. If there's a meal you've been thinking about cooking but feel a little intimidated by, it's time to go for it. Maybe there's something broken around your house. Fix it yourself instead of calling someone to do it for you. Everyone's challenge is gonna be unique to them. Just find something to do with your hands that gets you out of your comfort zone. And maybe this week isn't the right time, but next time you need a flat tire fixed up or have furniture to build, do it yourself. Once you've done your challenge, I wanna hear about it. You can leave me a voicemail at 347-76-BRAVE. Again, that's 347 76 B-R-A-V-E. You can also call that number to ask me a question or share your Brave Not Perfect story. We might even share your message on the show. In fact, I've got a Brave Not Perfect story to share with you right now. Hi, my name is Kelly and I'm a chronic rule follower. But after reading Brave Not Perfect, I learned that I don't have to follow the rules all the time that my life doesn't have to play by the rules and it especially doesn't have to play by someone else's rules. So I decided to flex that bravery muscle uh, in small ways first so that I'd be able to flex it in greater ways uh, when I needed to. Uh, My first step was to go to a yoga class and do whatever I wanted. The instructor cued the positions and instead of me following her cues and her guidelines, I totally did what I wanted to. At first, (laughs) I felt really awkward, and then I decided to just not care, and that was the best yoga class of my life. I realized it's a baby step, but it was a big step for me, and I'm excited to try this mindset in other small ways and hopefully one day be courageous enough to play life just by my rules. Yep, that's what bravery looks like in action. And I want to invite you to the one place with a lot of Brave Not Perfect energy where people are sharing their stories and supporting each other. You can join me and other listeners at the Brave Not Perfect Facebook group. Just search Brave Not Perfect on Facebook. It's super easy to find. 
Now we've got a surprise coming for you later this week. So keep an eye on your feed for a bonus episode. And in the meantime, stay brave. See you soon. Hey, hey, hey. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, the best way to support Brave Not Perfect is to spread the word to your friends or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It'd help us out a lot and I would really appreciate it. I am Ashley Dejan, your executive producer. Tanya Zeperonic and Charlotte Stone co-produced today's episode and plotted alongside Nahal and me. We, of course, could not have done it without Deborah Singer and Jenny Josephson, who support us all like a bra that fits just right. Let's also give a round of applause to Bill Lance, who helped edit today's show. And last, but certainly not least, I want to give a big shout out to Zenzelay Skylark. She's been creating the beautiful podcast extras for social media you might be seeing on your feeds. Yep, she's the one behind those. And unrelated to the incredible work she does, she's also been inspiring me to wear so much more neon makeup. She's kind of the style icon on our team. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We've got a little surprise for you later this week, so keep an eye out.